A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Hello everybody. Welcome to the show once again. I hope you're well. I genuinely mean that. I genuinely mean that. Uh, I've had a I've had a weird old couple of weeks to be honest with the old the old noggin. You know, you have those days. You have those days where you just you know what I mean. You just like oh, I don't know what's what's the point. You know, but then you have to sort of like you know pull yourself together, find some energy somewhere, get yourself up, put the kettle on, and uh, and and try and, and get in, get on with your day. What I've found has been helping me. I've been putting on Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. That's been my album in the morning. I put it on. Nice little background. I tell you what, it really helps. So find yourself an album, right, that you like. That, that's a nice, easy one in the morning. You don't want to be sticking on, like, never mind the bollocks. You know, Sex Pistols, first thing. Unless that's how you ease into your day. But I find that Inner Vision, Stevie Wonder, it's a really nice way to get, really sets me up. It's a nice one. Also been doing those sleep stories as well. You know, when you go to bed, put your sleep stories on. It's really, I tell you what, I haven't got to the end of one yet. They really help because, you know, you, you know what, you lie in bed, existential crisis, covers you from head to toe you know all the all the things you worry about oh i shouldn't have said that thing back in 1994 but you know we worry about it i put these sleep stories on i'm having a great time uh killian murphy's on there and uh, and uh oh, matthew mcconaughey's a good one yeah it's really good Have a, you should check it out they're really cool anyway i'm whittering on here uh before we've got some admin to do before we you know we, we get into all that check out our stylish insane membrane t-shirts and hoodies from buythatmerch.co.uk the lads behind sos clothing are now branching out and they're doing the merch for bands and podcasters and all sorts and it's it's fantastic so now there's a range of colors whereas we had the gold before we've now got green red gray black so go and have a look go to buythatmerch.co.uk and tell them we sent you also become a patreon if you become a patreon you get early access to some of our biggest episodes at patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast this is what we're starting now we're going to be giving early access to all of our episodes to the patreons to say thank you for you know basically helping us keep the lights on there's gonna be other things coming up as well that we're going to be doing uh so watch that watch this space but yeah if you want to become a patreon go to patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast and come join our gang Oh yeah, be lovely. There's also the money that we get goes back into the podcast, so that's it. We're not. It's not about making profits and things like that. We just want to keep doing this great show because you lot love it. We love doing it. So help us continue. Become a patron. Patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast. Now, our guest this week is Mr. Johnny Pelham. Uh, I've known Johnny. I've known Johnny a couple of years. Gig with him quite a few times. Lovely fella. Um, I bumped into him recently actually I was on I was doing tour support for Clinton Baptiste I was up in up around sort of Bolton Way and I went back to my back to the hotel I went wandering through I was at the bar and I, it was in this like spa hotel like in the middle like out in the sort of away from Bolton it was out in the countryside and Johnny was there with his with his uh, with his lovely missus uh, Sophie Willen. Sophie Willen, of course, uh, the, the 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 mastermind behind the magnificent Alma's Not Normal. Um, and yeah, and, she, and, uh, and Sophie went off to to, to a do, and uh, Johnny and I sat in a bar and had a proper old chinwag. It was really nice. Uh, with that in mind, I'm going to tell you about Johnny. Johnny's got a, a brand new podcast with the mighty Sean McLaughlin. Sean McLaughlin, of course, a former guest on Insane in the Membrane. And again, one of my favourite comedians. Uh, he's, he's special on YouTube, How Mary. He's one of the finest shows I've ever seen. Go check that out. Um, this is called Failing Better. Uh, it's, a, it's Well, they say it's a self-help podcast. But knowing those two, I, I don't know how much self-help there is from that but I, I imagine it's going to be brilliant and of course the mighty producer Paul is pushing the knobs and the levers 
uh, in the background there. Good old producer Paul. So you know it's going to sound great. Uh, those two those two bumbling clowns clacking their heads together. It's going to be a great podcast. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, so that's, yeah, brand new podcast with Sean McLaughlin and Johnny Pelham. And it's Failing Better. And I imagine that will be available on all podcast platforms. Uh, with that in mind, let's get on with this week's episode. Like I say, Johnny is a brilliant comedian. He's a damn fine human being. I love him very much. Uh, also, uh, with this one, it's a bit of a trigger warning because we do talk about uh, sexual abuse in this one. Uh, and I don't want to make too much of a bigger deal of it, but I do need people to know that that is what is in this episode. It, 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 Johnny was very open about things that have happened to him in his life. And so with that in mind, I need, you know, I don't want anyone to feel, I, I don't want anyone, you know, to, if, you, if you're listening to this and you unfortunately had something horrible happen to you in your life in that, in that regard, I, I really want you to know we do talk about that, uh, but in a good way, you know, it's, as it is, you know, it's, it, sometimes it helps to hear other people's stories, I feel anyway, and so hopefully you'll feel the same way. I'm sorry if you've been through this yourself, but uh, yeah, there we are. There's a warning for you, just in case I don't want anyone getting upset, so there we are. Anyway, it's a fantastic episode. You're going to really like this. Johnny's a brilliant guy. So coming up in a minute is Johnny Pelham. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Insane in the membrane. How are you? Yeah, good, man. How are you? All right. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, just yeah. sort of ticking along, really. I haven't seen you since Bolton. What a nice surprise that was. Bumping into you. Was it Bolton or was it? Um, wasn't it? Oh, we did. Um, we did uh, Stockport. Stockport, something like that. Yeah, it was a yeah. weird gig. It felt like the average age of the audience was about seventy-four, <laughs> but it actually went surprisingly well. It was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was good. That's it. Yeah, we did. I saw you there. Yeah, we were with um, uh, what's his name, Ted, Ted Robbins. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he, he gave me the funny, he introduced me by saying something like, this next act's a bit unusual. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he uh, clearly has watched a video of you and not really understood what was going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet you've never been introduced as that before. Unusual. <laughs> no, no, it was fun though, because it gives you freedom to be a bit weird on stage because we've already been introduced like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true actually. You kind of, yeah, you've got to play up to it a bit. <laughs> Well, the worst one is when they're like, this next act's going to blow you away. And you're oh, like, no, no let's, let's lower those expectations. <laughs> yeah, I've had, all my, yeah, there was one, and I, it was such a massive introduction. I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't live up to that. Fuck's yeah. sake. Um, well, I've had it the other way. Uh, Toby Foster at the last laugh in Sheffield, he, he basically called me a, a southern racist Tory <laughs> paedophile in this big old rambling introduction. And everyone was fine with all the other bits, but they booed Tory. <laughs> but they were fine with the paedophile bit. <laughs> well, that's good to know, isn't it? If you're ever in Sheffield, get some socialist policies going on. You can do whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, <laughs> do what you want. But yeah, it's, um, you're, you're, you're going on tour, aren't you? That's what's happening. Yes, yeah, yeah. So going on my first tour, which is very exciting. Mm. Um, it's sort of scary. I, it's like you just get weekly ticket up. Yes, which is such a, a hammer blow every time. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. But um, but I'm I'm really enjoying it, and um, it's just nice to be able to do it. You know, just 
people coming to see you rather than just see like a night of comedy because mm. they're on a stag do and they're someone else's booked. You know what I mean? It's just nice yeah. thing to try and get going, really. Well, that's what we all want, I think, as performers. You want people to specifically come to see you. Not in an arrogant way. You just want to, like you say, you want, yeah, you want to be part of someone's night out and they've made a, a they, they like what you do that much so they want to come and see you on your own. I think that's right. I think it gives you more freedom maybe to do uh, more stuff that's more uniquely you, mm. you know, because there is a, you know, when you're doing a Friday, Saturday weekend club, you know, you know that some people are going to be hammered in there and that yeah. does slightly limit. Obviously, you can still, if you're funny, you can still do whatever you want, but it maybe limits slightly what you can do to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. yeah. Got to call everyone a cunt ASAP. Set <laughs> <laughs> your stool out early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, Johnny Pelham on the cunt tour. Yeah, yeah. Just go around just go around various towns calling everyone a cunt. You're a cunt. You're right. Because it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I remember seeing you, first time I saw you, I can't remember where it was, but I remember watching you and you were talking about what, you, what you'd gone through as like growing up, the various medical things. I can't remember what you called it. It's probably popliteal pterygium syndrome. That's probably why like, I can't remember it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd be, if you did, I'd be freaked out. You if imagine. you were like, well, obviously, I know what you've got because I watched you four years ago. <laughs> but I remember you doing it and then, and then you explained what it was and then you said, and it's quite rare, isn't it? And then you said, uh, any in? And then you went, <laughs> there never are. <laughs> it, really, yeah. it really made me laugh. But all jokes aside, that must have been, it must have been a, fun, a weird thing to grow up with. Or to be born with, even. You know what? I think it was like, you don't know it's weird when it's happening mm. to you somehow. You, yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. like, um, And when I say weird, I mean, like because it is, it's rare and it's an unusual thing. Yeah, yeah totally. I totally get it. And like, yeah. So a lot of the surgery happened when I was like pre-cognitive, so like a year and under. Mm. And then when I was like seven, when I was like seven or eight, Year two, whatever year year two is in, I don't know what year it is, but um, they like they'd stretch your. They, they basically had webbing behind the back of my legs, mm. um, so they had to like cut it. But for some reason, they couldn't do it in like one fell swoop. So every two weeks, they'd have to like cut it a bit more and stretch oh, wow. it. And so I was in like in a wheelchair for about six months. And I think that's that was a weird experience. You mm. know what I mean? Because it's like you are like distanced from. Everyone else was just running around and doing yeah. stuff. Um, but I'm, I, at the time, I didn't mind it really. You know what I mean? Like it, it definitely didn't feel like, oh, this is bad. It mm. was just like, you just get on with it, don't you? Yeah, especially if you don't know, yeah, you don't know any difference. So, yeah, yeah. It's your, that's your reality. That's just like, you know, this is what I'm doing, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think it probably, it definitely informs my comedy, I think, about being a bit of an outsider looking into the world, going like, how does this work? You mm. know, because you have that natural distance. Um, and also, you know, I went to a pretty much all Asian school. I was the only white boy in my class. So I think throughout my life, I've been like slightly on the outside yeah. of things. Never like meanly. So I've always been like, I never really got bullied or anything, but like just clearly not quite fitting in, mm. which is actually quite a helpful space to do comedy from, really. Yeah. I know what you mean. That's quite unusual. That it was because. Uh, it's only unusual for me because I grew up where I grew up was uh, like we had, I mean my friend Arahan Danji was the only the only guy, like the only Asian guy that was in our class from uh, Pakistan, and so it was, it was very unusual. But again, you know, he didn't get he didn't get bullied a lot for that. And like I say, it's to, it, you, like you don't know any different. It's just how it is. So it I think feel I think it was only at uni when yeah. I was like. You mean you weren't in a gang full of Bangladeshi people? Mm. I realised how... Because uh, also no one drank, really. So everyone had smoked weed. So I used to smoke a fair bit of weed. Yeah. But no one would um, no one would drink. So then when I went to university, it was like suddenly there was a whole new culture of like binge oh, yeah. drinking and blah, blah, blah. So you know, I quickly caught up. But I had to learn how to do that, really. Yeah, right, of course. And with, the, with having the operations when you were so young, Obviously, don't, you don't remember much of it, but were there ongoing complications that you had to keep going back and having operations? Well, my legs, so my the main one with my legs, so so I still can't like put my feet flat on the ground. Mm. Um, so I, I still can't fully stretch stretch my legs and straighten my legs. Um, 
which is so I, and just recently my ankle has been like killing me mm. uh, and every, every now and then it just goes basically I'm sort of struggle to walk and I remember being about 20 and going to speak to um, a doctor about it and he was like basically well, you're just walking in a really inefficient way mm. and you're probably going to get arthritis and I was like is there anything I can do about that and he was like no I remember at the time shit. finding it really funny how shit the doctor was. Like, because he just didn't even, he didn't even try to have a solution. He was just like, he just walked nah. weird. And then, so I've always sort of held that as like a really funny thing. But then recently, I have been thinking, shit, I need to actually um, sort it out. And I feel like, weirdly rich, actually, like, realize I've sort of started realising I'm more disabled than I've ever considered recently because right, like okay. I feel like when you're like I did things like you know I used to play football all the time I mm. climbed Kilimanjaro oh wow like so it was never like and I'd never say I was disabled really unless like I might say I've, you know but it never really affected my life mm. then actually I was, I'm often just in pain but just like haven't acknowledged it if yeah. that makes sense and so like and I think there was such a desire to be like right I'm not going to let this determine anything i'm going to do everything i should want to be able to do that i like just shut out how much it has impacted me really yeah i know it's not exactly what you mean it's that you you yeah your brain just processes it and goes yeah just i suppose because you know you it's just you've like the doctor said it's just going to be part of what you are what you do so your body your brain processes it and goes well that's just part of us so let's let's make it as manageable as possible you know. I think, and you don't want to like impose self-limiting beliefs on yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? So you don't want to be like, well, I can't do things normal people can do because of this. And but maybe my way of dealing it was like too far the other way, just to not even acknowledge it. Yeah. Rather than be like, how can I manage? Like now I'm trying more be like, how can I manage it? What do I need to do? Do I need to go to physio? Do I need to take back? Like, I think that's a healthier way than me, which was just to sort of pretend it wasn't happening. Yeah. And then not really like feel the pain or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah just block it out with and fling yourself up mountains and that it's, i mean it's, yeah, not even yeah, yeah. it's not even snowden yeah so. <laughs> well i always feel like mount kilimanjaro's funnily like it's it's not a, it's not a killer mountain it's just a what you just have to walk for a while yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no scrambling up i mean i'm sure you can do it that way if you go up like the face of the mountain or whatever yeah but we just casually walked to the top and everyone's like, what's funny about it is everyone's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And there's like a, a Tanzanian man uh, carrying like four Westerners bags up the hill <laughs> in like flip-flops, not giving a shit. And everyone in the West is like, God, I've never been challenged so much as this yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact, as soon as you said, oh yeah, we, I, I climbed Kilimanjaro, I was like, what the fuck? And now you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we just went up the back way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think all it really is, is if you get like travel sickness or whatever, it's not like not altitude sickness, mm. then you're pretty fucked. Like you just can't do it. Yeah. But if you don't get altitude sickness, you're sort of fine. Like I think it's just like whether or not you you get ill, really. Mm. And is there, like you were saying, you know, like taking better care of yourself and things like that. Are you, will it, will it, will it get worse as you get older, do you think? And then you're going to have to really start doing like, exercise like yoga or something else that you can, is there anything you can do to sort of counteract it i honestly i honestly i mean this this i don't know is the honest answer i mm. guess it's like it's what i do for sure is like because at the moment it'll go and it'll unexpectedly go and then i'll have mm. to like hobble around for a day and then it'll come back and when it's hobbling around i'm like shit this is serious mm. and then it'll just go back to normal and it won't be any pain and then i'll just forget about it so at the moment my it's stupid how i'm dealing with it um, but, um, but I honestly don't know. Basically, if you like, I push, I walk on my tiptoe, so I push off from my, my like toes. Mm. So if you think about like using a hinge in that way, it's just really, it's not, it's such a poor distribution of weight because all yeah. the weight goes through my ankle yeah. to like push off from. So it's just like, um, it's just not how you're meant to walk really. No. So, um, so fuck knows is the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> and it, But that's it. I mean, but it, does it cause problems elsewhere in the body? Because I know I fucked my back a few years ago and then and I didn't deal with it. And what I was doing was I was kind of like 
overcompensating the rest of the my the other side of my back and it kind of now I've got this like little curvature where the where the damage is and it and you don't realize you're doing it but every now and again I'll forget and then my back goes again and oh then I start getting pain in my hips when I'm driving because I realize yeah, I'm yeah. sitting a certain way is that the same do you have like is it other places we go why, why is my elbow hurting now you know well it's because it's you're doing I'm sure something. that is too. Like, I went to physio for a bit when I was a teenager, and if like it was always that, isn't it? It's like if my back was hurting, be like, oh yeah, that's your ankle, yeah. or like your neck had been, be like, oh your left thigh, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean, it's like wherever you were in pain, you'd start on like the opposite side of the body and just start whacking that. <laughs> but it is like it's you really see how like um, the body as a whole. You know, like when you go, I think when you go through like. Um, surgery and stuff it's like they discreetly isolate like your arm or whatever and then they like fuck around with your arm but whenever you go to a physio you really see how like holistic we are mm. because it, it, it will always be like that won't it where it's like yeah your ankles in pain you need to start your elbow sort of thing yeah i remember uh i was having a i was having my, my i was having my foot massaged as it was really hurting in a particular place and then they were rubbing it and they went oh yeah you're all it's all crunchy in that in that area because you're dehydrated <laughs> like, what are you talking about it's in my foot and they went yeah, yeah. no that's because now your feet hurt because you're not drinking enough water <laughs> that's one i've recently started like improving my diet a bit and like drinking water and holy shit my brain works better crazy isn't it you're like like it's like i'm a diff- it's like i'm charged with a different battery just because <laughs> and then you feel like of course it's like if you ever do like you know something like I was going to use the example of drugs, but let's just say, like, I've done drugs, so I'm just going to say it. Fuck you, the police. Um, but, like, you do, like, uh, you know, a tiny bit of drugs and your whole personality completely changes. Yeah. And it's like, of course, when you think about the shit we're pumping into our body, that's going to have, like, an impact on our brain and... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy it took me so long to work it out, I think. <laughs> I'm 50 and it took me till yeah. now to go, oh, yeah, I've got brain fog because I don't drink water for weeks on end. Water's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. Because you start drinking water. Like, if I'm tired now, I'll just drink water, and I'll be like, all right, yeah, I can... I'm not that tired anymore. I yeah. just haven't drank water for seven days. That's why I'm knackered. <laughs> I'm sitting here now, I'm like, it's really hot. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've not drank any water all day. Yeah. Idiot. Absolute idiot. But, it, obviously, you're obviously the kind of person that... You, rather than... You know, some people, the things that have happened to you would have kind of stop them doing certain things but you've just you've obviously your personality pushes you to do, go in the opposite direction to go no fuck it like you said i'm going to do that instead no i'm not going to just sit here and, and put up with this i'm just i'm going to climb a mountain i'm going to do comedy i think so yeah i think how i dealt i think a lot of that is like what is that like, like i think a lot of my 20s has been realizing that like i had had quite a difficult childhood. Okay. So like, so a lot, not even like, um, so in, in my show that I'm doing, I talk about um, childhood sexual abuse, which sounds right. really heavy, but I, I, that happened mm. and the surgery. And I feel like how I dealt with that was just to dissociate and go numb. And so it wasn't like, I wasn't like really aware of it. And then it took me to like be like 25, 26 to go, oh, like, I'm not really dealing with quite a lot of shit. You know what I mean? But it, it was like, but it definitely wasn't a way of going, it was just my way of dealing with it was just not to think about it and to avoid it, I guess. Mm. And when that was, when that was happening to you, was it again a, a case of, did you know it was a horrible thing that was happening or did you just kind of go, well, because you trust the adults when you're, when you're a kid. So you kind of, I don't know, it's a weird, it's a weird experience. I think one of the, I mean, so the, so it's, the guy who did it was like an older teenager. Right. So he wasn't like, he wasn't like a, like I sometimes wish he'd be like an old pervy man. Mm. You know what I mean? Because it would yeah. have been less complicated. Um, and I guess, I think one of the things that I've always wondered is like, did I experience it as abuse at the time? Because mm. Because what my, like, story about myself is that, like, I, I had the surgery, like, quite a lot, you know, every two weeks having surgery, mm. and then I sort of dis- like, learned to dissociate through that. Yeah. So, like, because so obviously my body was in a lot of pain, so I thought, fuck, feeling pain, I'm just going to get into my head and not feel it. And I think I definitely did that 
when I when the abuse was happening as well. So it's like I, I like I can't remember how it began. I can't remember how it like ended. Mm. Like I can't, like you know what I mean? Like I can't really. There's so many like details I don't really have you about think you've it. Blocked them out. Totally, yeah. And yeah. like I've talked about it a lot in therapy, and I just can't retrieve them. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, and in a way, like I spent a while really wanting to get like information like what was what how did it begin what did mm. i feel like when it was happening and then i've sort of just thought fuck try to work that out you know like in a way like it's not that helpful and also i just can't do it like i just can't get access to it so yeah. why spend ages trying to do that yeah i think that's it at least you uh, so, uh, later on you acknowledged that something awful had happened to you i think so yeah, yeah. and then like um and that was very helpful because I feel, I do feel like as soon as you admit it, then you can start like other bits of your life make sense. Like I've mm. never been in a sexual relationship afterwards. And it's clearly because I was like scared or like like touching people made me anxious. I didn't mm. really want to do it. Like I'd hate, I'd hate hugging people in green rooms or anything like that. You know, it was never yeah. something I wanted to do. Um but always, I never like conscious. I never connected the two, and I definitely was never walking around thinking like, um, "God, this awful thing happened to me." And it was mm. just in therapy. I just talked, and I was like, "I really went to therapy because I was like, I, I'm not. I don't know why I'm not like sexually active, and I'm 25." Mm. That was the main reason I went. And then the so it wasn't to go talk about the abuse, and the abuse just came out organically quite early on. Obviously, yeah. And then it was like being like, oh, I think it probably is that. And then, yeah, just working out that really. Yeah, it's. And was the, when you were when you sort of thought about it, was there? Did you feel shame? Did you feel embarrassed talking about it, or you kind of? Well, was it just kind of like more matter of fact? You were, as you just said, you were talking about it as if it was like, oh, this thing happened, and they're like, hang on a minute, yeah, that's that's abuse. Did it was. Know? It was more matter of fact yeah. for sure. I think, and I, I, I'm sure, like. There must have been some shame or something that stopped me telling my parents, say, about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know I mean, so they're, or, or like telling anyone about it, really. So there must have been something that in me that knew it was fucked. Mm. Um, but I think what you do is you just normalize. And, yeah. and, like, and I didn't think about it ever. So it wasn't like something I'd be thinking about every day. It was just something that I'd like, I don't know, like I just wouldn't. Um, I just wouldn't really think about it. And so then I guess, and then it, so it was very much like, oh, I did have, and when I first talked about it, I described it as a thing we did together. Yeah. So like, and it was, it was my therapist who was like, you know, however, whether or not the guy intentionally abused you, manipulated you and was a monster or whether he was just like, a, like whatever happened in that time, it was an abusive thing because you were like eight and he was like 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, so that, and then, and then I still feel like sometimes I don't have that, like intellectually I'm completely aware of that, but I've mm. still never like cried like that. Like I think because I dissociated from the, in the surgery, I just don't have any access to like how I felt. So I, I've never cried about it. I never yeah. like feel, I don't even feel that angry about it somehow. So so on the part of me thinks I need to go back to therapy and like figure it all out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like it still isn't properly resolved. But another part of me yeah. just can't be asked. <laughs> well, I think that's seeing it. You kind of don't want to if it's not if it's not getting in the way of anything. Mm. Really, like if you're able to sort of live your life and like you say, you're disassociated from it. You kind of oh, that was a thing that happened. I've talked about it already. That kind of that takes some of the pressure off. So it's out there. So it's out of your head. But I think, I think, yeah, at some point, maybe, you, you know, maybe not now, but at some point, go and have a I, chat with someone again. Yeah, I think I'll go back. I, I, um, I think the hard thing is, I, I is, is, so I did EMDR. Have you ever done EMDR? No. It's some like weird therapy, which no one quite understands how it works, but it's really good for processing trauma, which is basically, well, I, I, there's, I guess someone else just thinking someone on the podcast might be like, we do know how it works. But as far as I can tell, there's a lot of different theories about why it works. But um, but basically, it's called it's like um, rapid eye movement therapy or something. And right. basically, you, you just follow someone, you like relive the memory, 
and then you like say how it makes you feel so it might make you feel like eight anxious yeah or whatever and then you like you play it oh fuck i've forgotten how you do it really you know, like, if we are in the pub now, which I'd really be confidently telling you this thing, but when it's on a podcast, you think someone's definitely going to be like, well, actually, I've done that first bit, and what he said isn't correct. <laughs> but it might be their version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, you just, like, you follow someone's, like, uh, finger um, as they, like, talk, as you talk, as you think about the event, mm. and then you try and, like, um, learn to feel okay about it. And then that like processes the trauma. I mean, that was a terrible description. But if anyone listening to this is um, suffers from trauma, it's definitely worth checking out EMDR because yeah. it's got insane high levels of success. But I did it and realised that I didn't have access to the initial memories enough to be able to get to it. So uh, then it was like, should we go to the surgery? Because that's probably where you le- like that's probably where you learn to dissociate. I just thought, just fuck going back again. <laughs> <laughs> you're going back about sure there's something you can connect to yeah 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 I think so that's it I, I left it then yeah I think that's it once you've once you've disconnected I guess it is difficult to connect again you know? I think I just think that's what my 20s have been a lot about is like trying to like connect to myself because obviously the problem with numbing is that you it was great you know so like it was great for climbing Kilimanjaro because I was probably in a lot of pain but not really feeling it yeah but then it's shit when you try to like feel happy or joy. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. the cost of numbing is that you don't get the the joyful sides of life somehow. Yeah, you just numb to everything. Totally, and that yeah. so that's for sure what I was like for like most of my life, really. At least yeah. certainly into my late twenties, and even now, it's definitely an issue I have. And is it because you know you're in a relationship? And is it has it affected relationships? This this sort of being closed off. I think so. I guess. Um, I guess the benefit of it is I'm like quite like um, calm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so. Like, and I guess the negative of it is like. So for instance, like my partner Sophie, I, I, I've got terrible with memories. So like my so my partner w- will often be like, um, or oh, do you remember the first date we had? And I don't have any clue whatsoever. <laughs> or like you know like, so like memories don't stick in my head for whatever reason so like and the amount of time she'll tell me things i've said you know, like it sounds like a real sort of old school comics thing about like you know what women are like storing away arguments from but i don't have any, like it's such an unfair advantage she has because i have no memory what i've said of like a day ago and she's yeah. like well you said this and this and this i'm like yeah but i i didn't just scream you a cunt for no reason there's no way this is the full narrative i'm gonna call fake news on this just out of the blue just nowhere yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know <what> you mean. <laughs> i know what you mean what's that i've i think what i've found because i've i've recently had therapy because there's a, th- a few things I needed to sort of iron out and discuss. And it did me a world of good. It really did. It did sort me out. And what I found now, I'm a lot more calm than... Uh, and again, I think it's to do with chemistry as well. You know, mm. you're a different person with different people. And I think now, having been... I had quite a volatile relationship. I'm now, I'm like, I'm so chilled out. Mm. I get people going, Are you do you give a fuck? And I'm like, Yeah, I do give a fuck. Yeah. yeah I just don't yeah. want to fight about it. I just yeah. whatever I'm happy with whatever you want to do. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Just do you find that? You're like, no, I'm fine. Just I think like again, yes, for sure. Maybe to fault where it's like she'll be like, What do you want to do? And I'll be like, I don't give a crap. Or like with like deco like she's decorating the house at the moment and I just don't care. Like like if it's yellow or blue. But like but also that is quite an annoying position to put her in where she has to make all the decisions. Or like yeah. even like stuff in her house. Like I don't care about like there's not a painting I like or like like if if, if it was me, the the walls would just be bare and like <laughs> dirty. You know what I mean? Like like I just wouldn't give a shit about them. So it's like, it's not, it's in a way, like, I, I can understand her being like, well, can I get your opinion? But my genuine opinion is I just couldn't give a shit about things yeah. like that, really. Um, and I mean, so, at least that in all areas, all aspects of your life, you kind of like, yeah, I don't care. Like, you know, you won't, you don't, it, it, I mean, do you, do you look at the walls and go, actually, I'd like them to be blue? Or it's just something I that think just that's a big issue. That's, I think that's my big issue is not caring. Like, like, and, and, 
you know, like, so I think that is a big issue. It's like, you know, like my clothes or like my hair, like my hair just grows long. Mm. And then eventually I cut it because I'm like, I should probably get this cut because, you know, people are pointing and staring. Or like, you know, my whole, my clothes will have like holes in them. And like, I just want, and it's like, so there's definitely like a lack of um, care about myself. And so I think one of the things I've been trying to do, because like when I was like living in London, I lived in like this, you know, like that weird comedian squat house had like Tim Renka and um, Bobby Mayer lived there for a bit with Harriet Kemsley and people like that. Is that the one in Finsbury Park that way over? No, no, it was another one in Streatham, but it was just like Ah. a shithole really. um, (laughs) Oh, I do. Yes, I do know the one you mean. Yeah. And it was like, you know, it was really fun, but like that wasn't, um, I was fine there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, like a lot of people like, how could you possibly live here? And I'm like, to be honest, this is, this is absolutely wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think one of the things I've been trying to do in like my late, recently is trying to like care more, but then it's quite hard because you're trying to like force an emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's hard to know, it's hard to, figure out how to give a shit about stuff you don't care about, even if you know caring about it would probably make you happier in some way. Well, I don't know if it would make... If, if this thing is that if you... Like, for instance, with clothing, I really love clothing, and it's something I... It's just something I'm into. Mm. And I do have... I've got a, a couple of mates of mine. There's a couple of comedians as well that, you know, I'll go to gigs and they'll go, they'll go like, oh, I, like what you, I always like what you're wearing, Rich. I'm like, nice one. And they're like, they're just like, I don't give a fuck about what mm. I wear. It's literally just to stop me getting arrested. I don't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> like Kerry Mark said, he's got this whole bit about, he's just bought like a hundred pairs of black socks. Yeah, I've So seen he that. never That's has to worry about pairing yeah. them. <laughs> but I am, um, but I always, what I always think about that is like, it's re- like, so I, like, not having sex wasn't, like, a big issue for me. I wasn't really that arsed about it. Mm. And then I started doing it. I was like, oh, this is class. Um, <laughs> and so, Did you say that halfway through? Yeah. yeah this yeah. is That's class. What I said the first time I came was, I said, this is class. <laughs> this then, is class. Yeah, this should, we should continue doing this. But, so there's a part of me that wonders, like, if I started giving a shit, I would, like, if it would have its own momentum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because if, if I think that, like, my lack of caring about clothes is related to a disassociative practice that kept me safe but is no longer needed, and now, and actually it would be nice to care about clothes, then I just need to, like, start buying some clothes, seeing what I like, seeing what I don't like, and I'll be, it'll be something I care about and I'll have meaning. Yeah. So there's a part of me that thinks that, and then again, there's another part of me that thinks, oh, who gives a shit, fuck it. It's very hard to know, isn't it? Like, what is... I think we've got too much choice in the West. You know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> like, it's like... I'd, I think I'd be happy in a cult. You know, just a cult which just said, like, look, this is what you do, and then you go to heaven. I'd be like, great. You only have to wear these clothes for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. And just some certainty about what is the right way to go about life. I'd love yeah. that. Just a, just a, just a, a fuss-free yeah. existence. Yeah, yeah, and like I'm, I'm jealous of religious people when they, where they're like, well, I've just got to follow these ten rules, and then I go to heaven. Yeah, and I think, God, that must take the stress out of life quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's just nothing else to worry about. Yeah, but yeah. Just it... don't have to covet another man's ox, and I'm going to heaven. <laughs> but do you? Is there anything that you are passionate about? There must be something that. You, got, you, you get excited about, the, you, you know, you get fired up. You're like, ah, oh, this is the fucking one. And I don't mean when you're having yeah. sex. <laughs> this is class. This <laughs> is class. Um, what is it? You know, like, I guess that, like, there's nothing that, like, I think what it is, like, so I always have to make my, so, like, now I'm starting to do things like meditation mm. and things like that. And I, I, it still feels like I'm, like, like with this torse, I know I'd probably be happy if it sold well. Yeah. But on a day-to-day basis, I, I sort of... I have to tell myself I need to give a shit about this. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. So, but, so it doesn't come from, like, internally, I'm, like, a, a deep drive and that I need to sell out this tour or I need to, you know, look good or I need... Like, there's no... Like, I don't really have passion, really, it's like, I just think, oh, I probably should care about that. And then I try and, like, 
when it's I think what I'd love to get to a stage where it was coming organically from how I felt, whereas at the moment it still feels like I'm telling myself I should do that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you're telling yourself to be to give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I don't really like even when I did Apollo, like afterwards I just thought that was fine. But there wasn't like <laughs> you know, it wasn't like it, it was no sense of me being like, This is a pinnacle of my career, I'm really happy. Really? I just walked off and went, That was pretty fun. And it was a bit crushing, actually, because I sort of thought it would be amazing. And then I did it, and it just, I, didn't, I didn't even really care about it. Afterwards. Really? What about the run-up to it? You know what? Like, I, I, there was, like, because uh, it was an hour show. It was the show I'm going on tour, mm. and then I'd, like, try to, like, minimise it into a 20-minute set. So I guess there was, like... You're probably right. There was a care to make it good or to like work out the mechanics of how to turn it into a 20 minute set as opposed to an hour. So that was like, and there was like, I did want it to be good. You know, so there was like a drive to be like, right, let's make this um, work. But I I guess that maybe that is like passion because it it was there, but it feels more like, maybe it's like the technical challenge of it almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I like comedy a lot, because I like like figuring out how to make um, something funny that, you know, probably isn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> what, got, what got you into comedy then? What, what, how, did you, how did this happen? Did you, I was you, at were uni. you passionate about it? No, I, honestly, I, I was at uni and I was like, I was standing up to Freshers Week. And, you know, like... I'd, I don't know if you went to uni, but I just signed up to everything. You know, I was right. like parachuting, stand-up comedy. Um, <laughs> and then i tell you what stand-up did for me, though. It was the first thing I was good at. Because that was quite weird, you know, like, as you know, I've got a few sort of disabilities, as we've mentioned. I was in an all-Asian gang. Um, like, I just talked about my life, and I instantly had a point of view, which is what, like, you sort of need as a comic. Yeah. But without having any skill, or, you know, but, like, without knowing it i already had a sort of weird angle on the world and so and what what was amazing about comedy was doing well felt amazing i remember that feeling actually of like being good at comedy yeah at uni particularly when it's like you know you you didn't i didn't really fit in probably like there's a clip of my like chortle student comedy awards from like 2012 i literally just rock back and forth and i'm like the, such an odd looking man uh, and it's like that was but that really worked you know to get that like first five minutes all you need is that like to be something yeah. and you can tag your jokes onto it and you're fine so that felt amazing that like when comedy was was amazing for me to be like oh shit i'm actually quite good at this and it feels great yeah and it was and you and you do you still get the same buzz from it well like you've just said you've done apollo and you went that was all right I definitely feel I, you know, I, I feel like I, I remember like doing, you know, like rowdy club gigs. I remember the first time I did them and felt like that felt real amazing because I was like this weird guy who could go in and control a room of like 200 people who were hammered and it worked, my sort of slightly odd comedy. And it, that felt amazing. But I do, I, I definitely feel like I, 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 at the moment I'm not, getting as much enjoyment from it as I was like, you know, six years ago, mm. say, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I go, I get fa- uh, phases of that where I'm just, I had it recently. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I mean, I stood on the platform in the middle of nowhere. It was like yeah. a Sunday morning and I had to wait an hour for the train. Cause they're only like, it's Sunday. And I just sort of sat there. I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> it's, it's always writing new jokes, isn't it? Yes. That's always the answer is to go, oh, I'm just so bored of my set. Yeah. And and like, and that's why, and I think when a set becomes like a script that you're just like dead, yeah, you're walking on there. And also when jokes, I think, are like out of tune with how you feel about yourself now. Particularly me, like, like I just tend to write stuff about myself because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> Uh, but when you're like going on writing jokes that don't feel relevant to you anymore, they're sort yeah. of just like dead. You know what I mean? I do know exactly what you mean. You're a different person from when you wrote those jokes. Totally. And then you feel like you have to act. Like you're going on stage thinking, how would this sort of character that I'm now writing for, who was me three years ago, yeah. deliver this joke about whatever? Yeah. 
but there are things that I now talk about in my act that I'm really I thought I'd never talk about like stories that have happened things that have mm -hmm. happened to me like last night I did a new material night and I, I was, I, I said at the beginning, I went, look, these are literally just thoughts I've just had today. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you them now. There is no punchlines attached to these. I'm just going to say the thing. And I told a story that I've never told before. And it, and it got some laughs. But I was like, fuck, I never thought I'd have the confidence to talk about that. Do you know what's changed? No. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> actually, I will say... When I started talking about a certain, I used to have a, I got a bit about the gay saunas to work in. That was from watching Sophie. Oh, and really? So her yeah, theater, yeah. And I've told her that. I, I remember her talking about some stuff that happened to her when she was a child and talking about sex work and things like that. And I went, oh, that's, I, that's I'm going to tell this story. And I told mm. the story. And yeah, it, yeah. and and everyone, because that was it, I was watching Sophie. And she's telling quite harrowing things. But she was doing it in such a way, the whole of the theatre was just bent double, yeah, laughing yeah. her heads off. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, that is a skill. Yeah. And it really fired me up. So I think it was that, that was quite a pivotal moment for me. And, you know. That's, that's really exciting. It is, I mean, it is funny that me and um, Sophie go out because we both do like, like Sophie uh, Willen, who did um, Alma's Not Normal and yeah. also shows about... And me, and it, sometimes we'll be walking. I'll be writing in my thing, and she'll be writing in her thing, and she's writing about something awful, and I'm writing something awful. And we just sit down knackered, <laughs> <laughs> both for a living past trauma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it? Is, do you find it? Is there a comfort with the pair of you that you can talk about these things with each other? Do you find, or do you so. do you talk about these things with each other? Or you just you kind of go look. We talk about work a fair bit, just because it's so much easier. Like, she helped me with this Edinburgh show no. uh, that's going on tour. Sorry, not Edinburgh show, now the tour show that initially was in Edinburgh. Helped me with that. And I helped a bit with um, Alma, uh, yeah. our script consultant on that. So we definitely help each other, but I think it's just because we're very in tune with each other and we spend a lot of time with each other. So naturally, you just... And rather than, like, email, you know, a, a script editor or script consultant or whatever and then they spend a day getting back to you and then you have to it's just sometimes easier just to go into the kitchen and have a 20 minute chat about it and normally the other person isn't even it's just like a voice to for the other person to work it out you yeah. know what i mean that's so like that's normally how it is but it, it can be very helpful yeah. uh, that we can just i'd love to write something with her in the future just because it would um be a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this is it but, I mean, with, but with regards to the trauma, the traumatic things that have happened to the pair of you in your lives, is there a kind of, is there a comfort in that kind of, you know, you're with someone that can understand what you've been through and vice versa? You don't you no, necessarily I mean, talk about it all the time, but... You yeah, know. yeah I'm, I'm not consciously, but I'm sure um, that's definitely in there, in the mix of, like, um, a helpful thing. Um yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that is something that's helpful for both of us. Even though, yeah, like you said, we ne we've never we've never consciously had that conversation. I don't think where we've been like, um, you know, it's really helpful. You've had this trauma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so pleased that happened to yeah. you. Yeah. God, that sounds awful. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess, like you say, on a subconscious level. You kind of just, I think so, and also yeah. like you say, because sometimes when you like, when you know, if I tell someone about the abuse, sometimes they, people freak out, and then you have to manage their expectation and manage their, you know, them freaking out about it. Yeah, and in a way that can be quite exhausting, and it's not their fault because you know they're entitled to have their opinion, and if they care for me, you know, it's very sad news for them that mm. I was abused or whatever. But it does mean that you spend a lot of time sort of managing other people's. Um, feelings around it, which means often you can't fully express how it felt because you don't want them to, you know, like, so something I've been thinking about in, in the show I'm touring now is I talk a lot about how I'm fine with it now. Mm. And I definitely feel like a lot of that was, is probably not, it's not not true, but it's overly simplistic. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was because I didn't want the, I, I knew I needed the audience to be relaxed. Yeah. Well, not relaxed, but... You know, I didn't want them... Because obviously, if I wasn't okay, 
I wouldn't be able to do a comedy show about it. No. But I kept reminding them I was okay. I think there's a way to go. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to freak out. Um, <laughs> when, you know, it is probably overly simplistic to say I'm fine now. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's funny when having done this podcast for a couple of years now, because I'm not a trained, you know, I'm not a trained counsellor. And this isn't a counselling session, but things like that come up. That, yeah, yeah. That, and so when you when you mentioned it earlier, there's a you've got to find a way of because you don't want to go. Oh my god, oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, and you want and I want this space to want you be able to talk about that thing comfortably. Mm. And so it's working out those skills to kind of go. Oh mate, shit. Okay. And sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I'm a bit I'm a bit clunky. I'll just go. So what? Ah oh, fuck. Well, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is hard. Like my friend got cancer. You know, my my friend my age, like a thirty year old guy, got cancer, mm. and it's so fucking hard to like like. And we have a very like jokey relationship. You know, like so, our relationship is built on taking the piss out of each other, really. Yeah. And so it's like, then do you go in and go, hey, you got cancer, you dickhead? Like, would that be good? Or like, is that insane? Or like, then you don't want to have like this sort of solemn chat with your mate who you've never really chatted to. So it's like, it is yeah. hard to work out how you talk about something that's like difficult in a way that doesn't like trivialize it, but also doesn't turn into this like overly sentimental thing. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? I know exactly what you mean. A close mate of mine has been having some real issues with his mental health and to the point he talked he talked about ended his life and I've, we've known each other years and so it, it, I got a message from him saying look I really want to meet up and he never does that Yeah, he said I want to meet up I'm having, I'm having real troubles and I was he's always the one that like he left school good education got a brilliant job has always worked where he's worked you know, like, he did things how you know, society says you should do them um, and he and even he was struggling with it, and I had no idea, no idea until mm. he until he said, "I want to meet up. We need to meet up." And, he, and we met up. We had a big chat. We walked around this place, and he was telling me all about it. And he was talking about the thoughts of suicide and how he didn't want to be here anymore, and all this. And we had a huge chat. And so we, I, we said, "Right, we're going to make this a regular thing. Every couple of weeks, we're going to meet up. We're going to go out, and we're going to have a coffee. And we're going to chat shit." And then one, there was one time he was he he said, oh, "I'm on my way." And he said, I get, I'm getting this train. I'll be in, I'll be into London Bridge at this time. And I'm like, cool. And then so like half an hour, 40 minutes later, he still wasn't there. And he wasn't answering his phone. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Don't. Well, okay. I hope he's all right. I'm sure he's fine. And he was. He, he arrived eventually. And I just went, I went, you fucking dickhead. I thought you'd <laughs> thrown yourself under the fucking train. And I'm standing here like a lemon. And I, you know, and we had, we had a laugh about it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to find a, a way of doing it that addresses the the, the 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 elephant in the room, but at the same time, you don't want to look too glib. That's it. You never want to be flippant, do you? Yeah. Also, I mean, that's one of the things about the show, why, why I wanted to do it, actually, was like, because I felt like, you know, the only time we ever talk about, like, child sexual abuse, it's in such bleak terms. And, it, mm. you know, like, it's always like, he was abused as a child. That's why he murdered everyone <laughs> in the school. Uh and it's like yeah. there is such an idea that you're sort of irrevocably fucked if it's happened to you, and and it isn't. I don't think it's true. Like obviously, it's a devastating thing that will have lifetime impact, probably, and you don't want to be flippant about that, and you don't want to minimise it. But also, I don't think it's this like life sentence where you're unable to live a happy, joyful life oh. after it's happened to you. And I do think it's it's something it's so important to talk about because the numbers on it are crazy, rich man. Like. Obviously, like, accurate stats are hard to get because, um, you know, no one wants to talk about it. But, like, some people say, like, one in six. Some people say one in ten. Some people say one in 20 children are sexually abused in the country. Oh, my God. But, like, whatever number, it's, like, tens, hundreds of thousands. Mm. And yet, if you talk about it, people freak the fuck out. Yeah. And it's, like, so that was a big part of, like, wanting to talk about it was being, like, actually, this is an issue we need to get just find a way to discuss mm. in, and what I was like when I did Apollo one of the things I thought was if someone could just turn to the mate and go holy shit that happened to me yeah that would be amazing you know that would be like that would be the reward of the sh- doing it really just to like because there's another stat which is crazy which it takes people 22 years on average from the time they abuse to tell anyone about it oh my god and you think about like all that silence and that shame and that guilt that you like internalise and freak out with yeah. and and actually, if we could just find a way to go, oh, yeah, that, uh, you know, like, 
yeah, just find a way to have that conversation. It would be it would change lives for sure, really. Yeah. Oh my god. It's just like, these are things that, like you say, because it's not discussed. You don't know. You don't know these. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And then, like, what's weird is, like, since I've started talking about it, I've got some bleak messages in my inbox, which oh, really? <laughs> people just sending me. So, and and it's a sort of privilege, you know, to get those messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, it can be a bit like, like you say, I'm not, you know, I'm not a trained therapist, so I don't really know how to help particularly. Mm. Um, but I'm definitely glad to have, you know, sort of nudged the conversation slightly in a. Yeah. In a in a way that hopefully lets people talk about it more. Well, I think that's why I love doing this, because what's happened, like you've just said, I get messages from people all the time. Hmm. And, yeah, I'm not a trained counsellor, but I'm. it's nice to be somebody or be something that people can at least get the things out of their body. Hmm. You know, it might... Because that's half the battle, is, is actually saying it or telling someone. And that's why, yeah, I don't know if I do much with it, but just by being someone that someone feels they can reach out to, I think is is quite a, is a privilege, like you said. And it's huge because as so long as you respond with empathy and kindness, mm. you don't need like the technical skills massively to know like the best thing to do. But just allowing that, giving them a space to say it, yeah. and have that like validated and listened to, and will be massive for so many people. Yeah, because. The, it, like when I started talking, it was only when I started talking about it that I could start like looking at it and realizing the impact it had had and start unpicking that. Yeah. Whereas before you talk about it, you're just subject to your coping strategy or your defense mechanism or whatever it is. And then as soon as you start talking about it, you can go, holy fuck, I do that because of that. And so if I change that, that might change and my life might get better and blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I think and it's an amazing podcast you do because I think it, it's such a area that needs um, light fun on it. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it seems like such a brilliant podcast that Thanks, you do. Mate. Well, it's just I mean, it's things like that, like and like you saying things like just because that's happened to you doesn't mean that you're now going to have an unfulfilled life or you're now going to be so damaged that you can't you can't live a you can't live a life. I know some people that you know as it's been so devastating. Mm. They haven't been able to pick themselves up, and that's no—that's no reflection on them as people. It's just what you know. It was such a such a huge thing that happened to them, but it's it, knowing that it doesn't have to define who you are. There's someone else that I knew that had that. She had a horrible thing happen to her when she was a child, and I remember her saying to me, "Like, look, it doesn't define who I am. Mm. It happened. I've dealt with it. It's affected me, mm. but it's not. I'm not an." a victim of abuse I, it was just a thing that happened mm. and I think like it is that thing of, of some there also being some hopeful stories you know mm. because like like you, the amount of you know the amount of true crime series you watch where it's like a serial killer and then it's like well the reason given was he was abused and I'm sure being sexually abused will have huge well, does have hugely detrimental effects and it you know mm. might make you struggle to exist in society and will affect people's mental health but that's not all it that's not you know um what's the word i'm after that isn't completely causal like it's not like if you abuse you're going to be a fucking lunatic yeah it's like yeah. for the vast vast majority of people they they do go on to live happy normal lives i think or you know yeah yeah so yeah i know what you mean it, it's 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 such a it, like those numbers are so well they're shocking because you just I, 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 I've, like every woman I've ever spoken to has had something uh, has been sexually abused in some way shape or form and and you're like it blows my mind that, that that's happened on that scale I couldn't agree I found like the Me Too movement was so shocking to me because the scale was overwhelming like yeah. every like you said every woman I talked to would be like, yeah, I've got experiences like this. Yeah. And like, I don't want to sound like a great guy, but I couldn't fucking believe it. You know what I mean? Like, like some of the shit that happens, it's like, how the fuck has that been going on and no one's even mentioned it? Yeah. And it is like the thing of like, because it's so common, if you say, what the fuck are you doing? Then you're, uh, you know, you're not, you're a twat or whatever. You know what I mean? You're like a yeah. stuck up. It's just crazy. And it is like shining a light on it does just allow... Like, you hear about those people on the tube, don't you, who are like, um, you know, will go and ask a girl her name or whatever if someone's being harassing them. It's just like little 
things like that make such a massive impact in allowing people to live sort of happy, safe, yeah. healthy lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think it's so important that you're you're talking about what happened to you because people just don't know. And or, mm. or still feel like you said they still feel like they don't know how to talk about it, or they still feel they shouldn't talk about it. Yeah, and and it was because I didn't know any of those stats going in. You know, like like. Because literally, I, I set off just about a stand-up comedy show, and I do write autobiographical shows, and I was in therapy about it, and I was dealing with it, and, like, you know, I'd not been in a sexual relationship, but I was starting to try to date, and I was t living in this squat. And so all the impacts of the abuse I was talking about, and it felt just like, it felt mad, like the fact I'd not been in a sexual relationship until I was 25... And without the abuse, that's so weird. You know, you'd have to sort of make it. I'd have to make a lie up to why that was. So that so, so the decision to talk about the abuse was mainly a comedic, artistic choice to go. Without this context, I don't make sense to the audience. Yeah. So it really wasn't in any way political. It was just I can the, telling funny anecdotes, telling funny stories, and as the context being the abuse, and it, and it went really well. And then it was only when I delved into it and found out, you know, it takes people 22 years to talk about it. It could be as high as one in six people are sexually abused as children. Mm. But then I was like, holy fuck, like there's an actual importance to this that needs to be discussed um, because we're just completely ignoring it as a society because it freaks us out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we, we it, it's obviously the most awful thing in the world that some people do that to children but they do. Mm. And it's like, and us being disgusted by it isn't going to change anything. Or us no. every like three years calling someone a monster on the front page of the sun and then doing fuck all else yeah. isn't going to like do anything. No, this is why we need to talk to children at a young age. This I think is, so, you know, yeah. yeah. yeah and sure. I know people don't want to. They, I've said this before. It seems quite, it seems quite extreme to have to talk to innocent kids mm. about potentially what, what about what they should and shouldn't do to other human beings yeah you know it, it, I, I did a panel thing and they said and they were going like someone was going like yeah but we can't tell human beings we can't tell children not to kill people and i went we know we have to we're yeah. gonna have to because the the stats tell you that that needs to be that needs to happen you need to actually physically tell people not to murder and molest other people a hundred percent. And it's a shame, it's a shame, but... It is, and there's this idea of, like, childhood should be innocent and, and remain, and knowledge will, you know, make children less innocent. But actually, like, the lack of knowledge and the abuse that is systemic and happening is obviously so much worse. Yeah. You know, so it's like, inform them and educate them and... and and, and I guess things like saying, if this ever happens to you, you can tell me yeah. as a parent. You know what I mean? Like, like I... I I had a very loving relationship with my family and still do. And yet somehow I still felt unable to tell them. So like, mm. you know, and, and you obviously don't tell them in a way that freaks the kid out because that'd be mental. But finding a way to say to your kid, if anything like this ever happens, I 100% want you to tell me. Yeah. Well, is clearly so important. And Absolutely. yet because we don't want our children to think this could happen to them, we just never give them the tools somehow. Yeah. Well, I think this, this show is so important and I think, well, well, fucking done, mate, for for having the courage, man, to to do Cheers. it. Cheers, yeah, thanks very much. And I think it's going to be great. When does the tour start? It's in Leicester on yeah. Saturday the twelfth of Feb, and then like March to April, basically. So I've got tickets on my website, johnnypelham.com. Um, and uh, the the, web, the website is a uh, terrible website. <laughs> <laughs> I got it designed for like 70 quid, and oh, you yeah. can tell. You know what I mean? Like, like some comics have these flashy... My website is not good, but get past the shitness of the website. Uh, there's links that work, and it's sort of all around the country, really. Brilliant. I'm sure it's going to be great, and I'm going to try and catch it if I Definitely can. Be so great I'd love to, to see it, man. It'd be great. But this has been this has been so great. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate no. it. Um, and where can we find you on the socials? Ah, uh, you know, so I'm, I think I'm Johnny Pelham twenty two on Twitter. Yeah. And then I think I'm Johnny Pelham under Johnny underscore Pelham on Instagram. Yeah. But 
if that's wrong, that could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really. I'm trying to scum at the moment because for the um, tour, I'm just shit at it. I just, you know, you know, like, yeah, anyway, I'm trying to get better. Yeah, I think, oh, this is it. We didn't get into this for that, do we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, no one's. I, yeah, I'm never like watching the news and think, oh, I'll do a piffy tweet to undermine Boris Johnson. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's never. But anyway, I'm trying to learn because it'd be good to get people to the tour. Absolutely. Well, yeah, this is it, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, thanks for talking to us. Cheers, buddy. Thanks really so much for having us on. It's been a real pleasure. Insane in the membrane. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production. <laughs>